Steve Adubato Uncut, the podcast, has been made possible by the Russell Berry Foundation, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and the Tarot Fund, supporting reimagined childcare. This is Steve Adubato. This is Uncut. And once again, we're joined by our good friend, A. Dorian Murray Thomas, founder and CEO of She Wins. How are you, my friend? I'm good. So happy to be here. How are you doing, Steve? Doing great. Last time you were in the studio with us. Um, and we will, we will be back in that studio at NJTV soon. Right. We talked about race. We talked about confronting racism. We talked about social justice issues. Put in perspective, as you were part of the series called 25 for 25, as we recognize 25 winners of the Rustberry Making a Difference Award. It's their 25th anniversary. You won that in 2018 for the work you're doing with She Wins. What is She Wins and why does that work matter now more than ever? That's right. Um, so when I created She Wins, I wanted to create a space for young women who shared my story with being affected by violence. Um, our goal at She Wins is to really create an ecosystem where young women, regardless of their story, zip code, or circumstance, are empowered to win. And so we have three core tenets, sisterhood, service, and self-actualization. Mm -hmm. um, and our goal is to really kind of create this, this space where young women in the city of Newark are able to use their stories to help catalyze change. Uh, and so when I think about the Rustberry family, right, which is committed to honoring leaders and, and change makers in the state of New Jersey, a lot of the work we do at She Wins is, is quite similar to that, but specifically working with young women in the city of Newark um, who've experienced some form of trauma, but are using those stories to overcome and actually create change in their communities. And so it was it was an honor to, to not only get the award uh, and, and obviously have the type of support that it gave to our, our organization, but to bring my girls there. I had about six or eight of our girls who actually came with me on the day. That's right, because you were there we, and we talked and you met some of them. And so it was such a beautiful experience to be a part of the Rustberry family. Well, you know, it's interesting, and I, I've disclosed this before. I've been hosting that event from the beginning, and 366 people over these years have been recognized for their extraordinary work making a difference. In this particularly challenging time, Adorian, that we're living in with COVID, with um, horrific issues of racial and social injustice that must be addressed sooner than most folks think they need to be addressed, help us understand what that award and the recognition, because we met each other, and then you've been on with us many times and will continue to be. You're on the Board of Education in Newark, right? That's right. Your career and the work you're doing is expanding. Any of that have to do with the award? Mm. Oh, that's such a beautiful question. I mean, when you think about the moment we're in as a country, in the moments that exist in, in places like the Rustberry Awards Ceremony, um, there's something really special about just, you know, celebrating good things happening in the world. Um, and at a moment where we're, we're really kind of facing an unprecedented intersection of a number of crises, it's so important that we create space to celebrate the good, to celebrate what's happening positively, to celebrate youth and, and young voices. And so, uh, you know, when I think about getting, having gotten the award in 2018, and then literally a year later, uh, making history, becoming the youngest woman ever elected to the school board, doing so with my young people, many of which who were with me at Rustbury, right? Right. Um, running, working in that campaign with me. It's all about how do we, even in the muck and the mire, make lemons, uh, turn lemonade uh, out of lemons, right? And, and really kind of celebrate the good that's happening. And I think part of what that requires us to do is to just 
acknowledge the power of young people, acknowledge the power of our voices, and acknowledge the power of our stories, um, and really kind of lean into that even in those difficult moments. Uh, and, and so, yes, now more than ever, uh, being a part of Raspberry, being a part of a space where we just recognize the good that's happening feels really special at a moment uh, in our country where we really need that, those types of uh, victories. So let me follow up on the Berry Foundation, the Russell Berry Foundation, a leading philanthropic organization committed to um, really making a difference and recognizing those who do. Describe the role that you see, not just for the foundation, but for the larger philanthropic community when it comes to confronting racism and people will see the Chiron on the screen. We've been doing a series of programs and we'll be doing it for the foreseeable future called Confronting Racism. What is the role of the philanthropic community in the fight to confront racism and the fight for racial and social justice? Mm. I, you know, so for me, I'm admittedly biased because I, I work with young people. And so often that's kind of my lens, right? How do we ask any question from the lens of what, how does this affect young people and how do we make sure this is serving them? Um, and so philanthropic community has a huge hand in how young people are, are being developed and shaped, right? Be it from after school programs to uh, what's happening in the school. There's a huge connection between uh, the philanthropic space and the experiences that young people have on a daily basis. I think the first step is really thinking about how can we invest our dollars in giving spaces for young people to have really critical, tough conversations around issues that are affecting their lives and are affecting our worlds. Um, when you think about what our kids are learning in school, uh, what they're being empowered to think critically about in the classroom, and then how they're being empowered to use that in the real world, right? Um, in the civic space, in the public space. Are we really using the time that, you know, uh, kids have during the day from the time that they have in school uh, to get them to have conversations that are difficult, right? About racism, about class, about environmental justice, about healthcare, these mucky and messy things that we're and, and the, as adults are wrapping our heads around, how That's right. would it be if we got kids to start having these conversations early? Um, and, and, and doing it remotely and saying the digital divide complicates things. And also, frankly, absolutely. you know, highlights some of the racial and social justice issues or injustices that are out there. You know, you, you had a quote you told our producers, I want to get this right. Yeah. You said, when it comes to young people, um, they know what's going on. It's the bleeding, not the wound. Mm. What do you mean? Yeah, I mean, when you think about, I've been spending a lot of time just paying attention to what young people are saying and doing during this moment. Um, and as surprising as a lot of this has been to them, some of it hasn't been, uh, because they've been knowing for years that these issues are going on. And so when I say it's the bleeding, not the wound, right? A, a lot of the unrest, uh, a lot of the discontent is actually symptomatic of these deeper issues that have existed long before March of 2020, long before what we are calling the digital divide now, but frankly has been an issue for years, right? In terms of young people from different socioeconomic classes and statuses having access to internet um, and technology. What we're seeing is the bleeding from a wound that's been here for quite some time and now we just have to reckon with no, the, no. The, the manifestations of it. Well, let's just say this, as challenging, as daunting as these issues are, um, there are leaders like you, and I'm not just saying this because we're friends, but because when I met you at the Russell Berry um, Awards, the, the Making a Difference Awards on 20, uh, 2018, I knew that we were all meeting a special leader 
I knew that um, while 366 people had been recognized over the years, there's something really special about you. You have work to do. You're doing it now. But I guarantee you, you'll continue to make a difference. And we will follow you. And you have an open invitation for, to our, not just the Russell Berry Foundation family, too, but to our family in public broadcasting. A. Dorian Murray Thomas is the founder and CEO of She Wins. And she is a proud sister in my hometown, Brick City. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much, Steve. You guys stay safe and stay blessed during the season. And it's always an honor to be here. Thank you for the work that you do. Because I know it's not easy having these real tough conversations. First of all, making the choice to do that uh, during such a time. And so your role as a leader and trailblazer in media and in our community, um, it speaks so much value. I'm honored to be in your space. So thank you for having me. Thank you for the work you do. And you know, looking forward to continuing to, for us to shine. Thank you again. Very kind of you. Thank you so much, Adorian. <laughs> Thanks, Steve.